Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This isn't your grandma's Ria. No sales from the front ever, and no smell of stale coffee, bin gay, and disappointment. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your amusement and hopefully education. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a like and share it across the internet and all the social media and all that. It really does help. If you have any questions or suggestions and you're not a total loser or ass clown, leave me a comment or send me a message. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors. And if you're interested or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. And if you're interested in hooking up with me, hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if you prefer, hello, YouTube, you go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. That is lagging of course. And here we go because this is America legal disclaimer, folks. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment and or investment decisions that you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't sue me. Show quote of the week. Time for an Renegade Detroit Investors show quote of the week. I try and pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I think our guest will appreciate it. Um, Except I don't have yours up. Show quote of the week. I think the guest will appreciate it. It helps if I'm reading from the right notes. Networking that matters is helping people achieve their goals. Networking that matters is helping people achieve their goals. That's by Seth Godin. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my guest, Mr. Keith Stonehouse. Keith is the vice president of Franklin Title Agency and has over 15 years experience in the title business providing outstanding customer service to home buyers, sellers, borrowers, realtors, mortgage loan officers, banks, banks and investors offering the versatility and flexibility of as we flexibility of real estate and mortgage closing anywhere. Sorry Keith, I'm killing this for you here right now. Anytime in Michigan, one flat fee every time as well as bank owned deals, foreclosures, foreclosure guarantees, split title transactions and mortgage refinances anywhere, anytime. That's right. That's pretty good, right? His goal is to be the household name in Metro Detroit and Michigan in the entitled insurance industry. And he will not hire me to read that. I need to work on that. Keith is also the founder of Michigan Real Estate Masterminds, which is a forum, networking, and education group that meets seven times a month. If you're curious, that's Rochester, Chesterfield, Utica, Northville, Clarkston, Birmingham, and the latest city, St. Clair Shores spreading like a virus of networking across uh, Metro Detroit with the goal of introducing people to the best of the best in real estate and the related industries. I've known Keith as the networking hustler, and I've even had him as a guest speaker at RDI back when it wasn't even RDI. It was Windy City Roundtable. I think it was in D'Amato's. That was back in 2008. That was a long time time ago. Maybe 2007. It's a long time ago, and he's committed and completely embedded in his community. I have a long list. I'll read a few here. 
Affiliate of the Year, North Oakland County Board of Realtors 2011. Service Above Self Award, City of Auburn Hills, June 2008. I remember this. Volunteer Leader of the Year, 2006-2007, Boys and Girls Club. Zoning Board of Appeals. I could probably do this for another hour. There's definitely someone you should know. Go to franklintitleagency.com, franklintitleagency.com. And if you're interested in the Michigan Realtor Masterminds, go to michiganrealtormasterminds.com. You can also hook up with Keith on LinkedIn. Type in his name, Keith Stonehouse. Go to Twitter, at Keith Stonehouse. Look him up on Facebook, Keith Stonehouse. You managed to get all his names. Do you want me to share your uh, cell number? Sure. All right, because I love what he did. 248-894-4785, and it says, call, text, 24-7. This man is committed to service. Thanks for coming out, Keith. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this will be fun, because you are a monster. It seems like everywhere I go, you are everywhere and have been. So the beginning, what did the beginning look like for Mr. Keith Stonehouse? Where are you from? Where were you born? Well, it all originated in uh, Auburn Hills. I was, uh, I grew up in Auburn Hills and uh, it goes back to my grandfather being the milkman of Auburn Hills back when there was milkmen. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my aunt was the prom queen and we had quite a uh, family background in the city. So Auburn Hills must have been a smaller town back Very then small. a little bit. Very small. There was no world headquarters. The downtown was a fraction of the size that it is now. There was no Palace of Auburn Hills or Great Lakes Crossing. There was one and a half lane dirt roads going through. <laughs> dirt roads going through. And Keith was four talking about how you too can choose your own title company, right? At four years old. Yep. At four years old. <laughs> when did you decide... Uh, Title insurance, real estate industry, how would that look like? How'd that happen? Well, I went to school for uh, business management or business administration and um, started working in sales, um, uh, so to say, for uh, Pepsi and Fago and then Walmart. And that's what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life was uh, retail management. And when I got to a certain level of retail management, I started realizing I was going to have to work 65 hours a week on 40-hour salary weekends, holidays on call. And I thought, oh my God, this is not for me. So I was dating somebody at the time that worked at a title insurance company. And every time I picked her up for lunch, which was once or twice a week, we would meet up for lunch. Uh, it just looked like robots in the back office on on computers, you know, the old computers. And and I, she said, you should come work here if you don't want to work retail. I said, what? What is a title company? What is that? No way. Title what? Right. I had no idea. So Finally, I was so fed up. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll come there and interview. And I got the job and, uh, the rest is history. I started off in recording and worked my way up and then wanted to get into sales. And the, the story on sales is that there was a guy, Jeff, in my office who he was probably 35 years old and I'm 36 today. So he was the same age and he was, uh, I was 21 then, I think, or 20 and, uh, 21. And he was, uh, in and out of the office. He, he hardly was ever in the office. When he was, he was on his cell phone laughing. He drove a new BMW. I saw it down in the parking lot. He was always golfing. He had his own private office. And I thought, why am I doing this? I want to do what this guy does. Yeah, I was saying, that, that sounds way better. Yeah. So, <laughs> And I didn't even golf back then, but I thought I'd rather golf than sit in this cube. So you know, I, I approached him and I said, how do I do what you do? And he said, you don't. There's no openings. Uh, you know, like I was competition or something. So I approached the boss and she said, he's right. There are no territories. And 
that day I quit and went to work for a title company that was hiring salespeople. I had no experience except college training, but that doesn't do anything for you. You know, in the real world. Yeah. On the real world, a real world of sales that does nothing for you. So, um, I just worked my way up in different companies and then, uh, Franklin title started in 2004. Boy, I bet. I wonder, does that title company know how successful you are now? The one that uh, said there were no openings. I don't know if they do. I wonder about that sometimes. Yeah, I kind of wonder about what that. What a colossal mistake. Why would you squash somebody's ambition like that? I just don't understand. Certainly there's room for two. Right. Well, there was other salespeople, but they had a, they unfortunately had it broken down into territories. You know, different areas, different cities that that person would have. And I thought that was ridiculous. It is. Eat what you kill people. Right. But like my network is to... Okay, my network only goes to eight mile to what is it, what kind of crap is that? It makes no especially in title insurance, it makes no sense. Absolutely it's no It's a relationship sense. business. Right. So if I meet somebody that lives in their city, then I can't talk to them. Man. You know, that was kind of the idea. And um I squashed that when we started Franklin. We brought on salespeople and there was no territory. It was yeah. just go you, out, here's the manual of, of how to do sales. If you if you can do it better, do it. If not, here's the here's the guide. You know, and We've got some very successful salespeople. So results oriented organization. Well, they told you everything you need to know when they said there were no openings, right? Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> I, time to go somewhere where somebody's looking into the future. And that's bit. what I did. Yeah. So you wanted to make more money and have more fun doing it. And you didn't want to rot in an office basically. I mean, that's me in a nutshell is, you know, I, everything I do, you know, I'm kind of an immature person by, by nature that I just want to have fun. And if I can have fun doing what I love doing for a living, why not do it? And, you know, if somebody said when you're 15, you're going to be selling title insurance or even at 18, you're going to be selling title insurance, I would have laughed. But now I look back and I, I have the greatest career. I have, you know, the staff, we're all like a family, my clients, you know, I'm getting married in January and majority of the guys standing up for me are clients, you know, that we're all best friends and brothers. And it's, just, I mean, who could ask for something better than that? Yeah, that's a, that's the way it should be. But you're also really a really driven, motivated person. Were you always that way? Like when you were four, were you driven and motivated? Or yeah, why do you think you're so driven and motivated? Well, there's a couple reasons. One, you know, I I always saw my dad working overtime and he was never home, and I I thought that's the way it was supposed to be. You know, we lived in a, a very small trailer park, and it was it was a rough area. You know, and and. I don't know why, maybe it was a godsend thing. I don't know what it was, but from, from day one, I knew that something was off. I knew that our family didn't, didn't make sense with the other families by the way that the kids my age were, were acting and the way their parents were and broken homes and some of the, the things that they were doing and we weren't doing those things or living like that. So I knew something was different about us and I wanted to escape that. Hence, going to the boys and girls club every day and, and doing everything I could yeah. there, you know, that was my escape. But the other thing, when you talk about being driven was, you know, I look back and it was funny. I had garage sales every other week. You know, I would go around and collect things and sell them. And yeah, you were selling shit, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, what were you selling in these garage sales? You just going around looking for trash picking or what were you doing? Well, it was a little bit of that. It was a little bit of, you know, going to my friend's parents and, what do you have? And I'll split it with you. I'll sell it for you and I'll split it with you. You know, I'm oh, a nice going to seven, commission. Eight, oh yeah, yeah. Seven, eight year old kid. And I'd say, Hey, do you want, do you want these, uh, these cassettes or these, these records? I can sell them. You need some money and, and I'll split it with you. And I'd have a whole table every week. And then it started to turn out that people would drive into my little trailer park just for my garage sale. 
And because I'd put a sign, my mom would drive me out to the front of the neighborhood and we'd put a sign out front and I'd have regular customers coming in. Was your mother or father in sales or you no, were no, not even just close. a born salesman? Not even close. And then I started, you know, at a very young age, at about 11, 12 years old, I started mowing lawns and weed whacking. And, you know, these are trailer park yards. So oh, yeah. they're not big, but I had so many of them that I always had a lot of money on me and I had the nicest bike and I had whatever I wanted because of that. My parents couldn't afford it. And and whatever shoes I wanted and things like that. But it was, it was that drive that I, once I seen the money in my hand, I went, well, I can just do more of this and get more rinse and repeat, baby. Right. I mean, that's all it was. And then, um, the other kids started seeing it and then it's too late guys. You know, I'm, I've already got all the, all the yards. I've got partners. I got, I, I, I wrapped everybody up. I closed them all. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah. <laughs> There's no more to close. You need to move. <laughs> Go to another neighborhood. Mom and dad, we need to move. I need to increase my network. This That's is before hilarious. the internet. <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to go to the other neighborhood on my bike and pull a lawnmower behind it? That's awesome. So you're doing, man, did you just get the idea? Like, you know, I can sell this or, or how did it, how did it start? Well, growing up, you know, with not much money, my mom would, we would go to Salvation Army and we would go to, um, garage sales and go garage sale hunting. And I kind of picked up on this and thought, well, I could do that. I have a bunch of stuff that I don't need. You know, like I look at, uh, my fiance, Kristen, her son is, he'll be six in December. And he has, when we built the house, we designed a playroom off of his bedroom and that's just for his toys. There's so many toys in there. I could probably take every kid in Detroit and give him two toys each, you know, and he doesn't play with any of them. And that's, I wasn't to that level, but I was a fraction of that. And I looked at him when I don't play with any of these, why, why do I still have them? Let's sell them. Let's sell them. You know, <laughs> let's make a little money. And at first my parents were a little upset. You know, we just bought you that toy for Christmas and now you're selling it. I mean, well, I asked you for the, for the other robot and you got me this one. So I'm you making know. shit happen. Mom and dad. Right. Thank you for the gift. I appreciate it. Now Thank I'm you. making something else happen. <laughs> I'm going to go buy something I really want. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. How many years did you do that garage sale? Uh, a couple of years. Oh, man. Yeah, I probably did it for about three years. And then the older neighbors in the neighborhood, they thought it was so cute, you know, that they would come by and give me stuff to sell, you know, as like a gift. Here's some some old china we have. You know, we're never going to use it again. You can sell it. Oh, do you want me to split the money with you? No, no, it's for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was great. You were cleaning up then. Oh, that was King of the money. trailer park. Yeah, I was king of the trailer park. <laughs> I'll take that proudly. Sales king of the trailer park, baby. Hail to the king. <laughs> so when you, how old were you when you started your lawn mowing, trimming? Oh, 11, 12 years old. Okay. I did that for a few years and uh, it was Stonehouse, Stonehouse, uh, what was it called? Stonehouse Yards or something. I don't know. And I had little signs made up and I would put a sign in somebody's yard after I mowed it. And then the neighbor would see it and go, oh, what? And then they would call my parents' house and say, can you have Keith come over and mow our yard? And all of a sudden I had half the neighborhood and they're all dialing your mom and dad's number, booking appointments. Yeah. It's pretty Keith much over on Tuesday at one, the mow the yard. That's pretty much what it was. My, my dad, he thought it was hilarious. He said, we're like your agent, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? cause they had a little calendar book out, you know, and it worked out. Was that the Franklin system calendar there as you're booking out all your, pretty hours? much. Yeah. yeah. All my closings. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, so yeah, this is why I love doing this podcast because I get to find out things like this about people that I think are great. You should tell more people about this. I don't know. How. I never really bring it up, but you know, I look at I look at the kids nowadays, and we can go into the you know kids nowadays. You know, oh yeah, whole speech. But you know, the argument of if I had all the technology and electronics that they had, would I be 
that way now, you know, like they are or what. And I just, I know I wouldn't be because I just wasn't interested when Nintendo came out. I wanted nothing. I didn't care. You know, I played Duck Hunt a couple times or Super Mario Brothers a couple times, but I was, I was more in tune with, you know, out mowing lawns and then um, helping older ladies have me come over and help clean. And I had all kinds of jobs going on. My parents actually told me to calm down because it was starting to affect my grades. You know, I was like, oh. <laughs> well, these grades aren't going to pay any bills, mom and dad. Right. Bingo. Yeah. 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 But it's important to get through school. So where'd you get all these marketing ideas when you're this young? Were you just copying other people or, or um, you're so th- proud of your work? You want to put a sign on it or where'd, I, where'd you I, that that's idea? a good question. I don't know. I don't, I can't, I can't put a, a nail on that, but you know, maybe, maybe it was capping other people. Maybe it was, maybe it was, I don't know, seeing it on TV. I don't know, but it, it just, it stuck. And I just, if it worked, I'd do more of it. Mm. You know, that was always my thing. If it worked, I just doubled and tripled it. Well, yeah. But, so you had your first business basically at 11. Yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So did you do all this through high school too, or no, I, uh, at 14, one of the guys who lived in the neighborhood, we moved to a uh, uh, Jefferson's episode, moving on up to a nicer trailer park. Oh, at, yeah. At 14. Double wide? No, it was a, a very large single wide. and But it was brand new. So to me, I thought, man, we're, 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 we made it, you know. But um, when I moved, before I moved, one of the guys that lived in the old neighborhood, him and his daughter owned a trophy store in downtown Auburn Hills, which is still there. Classic trophies. And um, he gave me a job there. So I worked there. I had a lawn mowing business. I did the garage sales. And then I started working at a chicken restaurant when I was 15. That's when my parents started saying, okay, pick something. Yeah. Come on. You know, but I loved it because I didn't have to, I didn't have, I've always been an independent person. I didn't have to depend on my parents for anything after that. Yeah. Money's nice. Control of your life is nice. That's what it was. Yeah. I literally didn't have to ask for anything. If I wanted the new hot shoe, I had it. I didn't have to ask. I didn't, if I wanted the, the BMX bike, I had it. If I wanted whatever it was, you know, and, and the other kids were, how did you, you know, your parents bought you? No, man. You got know? a job. I got a business. Right. I'm flipping shit at my garage sale. <laughs> That's two for a dollar. Annie up son. Right. That's pretty. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had there's a new pretty, bike I want. I had some pretty funny stuff that I did at the garage sale, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I built it. And, and like I said, I, I tried every little thing. My parents thought I was nuts. You know, they're like, go play, go, you know, and I played, I played basketball. I did my stuff, but I just, I didn't find it amusing to, to do the, like I said earlier, what some of the kids in that neighborhood decided to do, you know, burn down a shed or vandalize somebody's new Buick or, you know. Yeah. Not good stuff. That just wasn't in my DNA. So I decided to, to do other things, you know. That's interesting. I too was manufactured in a trailer park, by the way. Were you really? Yeah. My first five years were in a trailer park. Probably not as nice as your trailer park. I don't know. Well, the first one was not nice. Not nice. No. No. <sighs> Pretty rough. Uh, I don't yeah. know much about Auburn Hills. I've only been there a couple of times. I know it's crazy. Well, it's unfortunate and I don't want to talk bad, you know, bad about the trailer park, but it's unfortunate. It's gotten even worse. We oh, left man. because it was so bad that I actually had a, a knife held to me. I had a gun held on me. Um, our, our, we had a, bought a brand new truck and it got vandalized twice in a row. You know, it was people just jealous of success pretty much. Yeah. And Any small people. That's, that's when the, the moment came, we got to move and you know, so yeah, that's serious. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. Well, yeah, a gun and a knife. That's no, that's no joke right there. Well, I had told my parents and they didn't believe me that the neighborhood was getting bad mm. and they just, no, everything's fine. Everyone's yards are kept up. So, okay. Well, yeah, I'm mowing them. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. But they put a gun in my head. I right. need the money. <laughs> Sure looks nice. Yeah, though. I went to collect and yeah. 
I'm laughing about it, but that had to be just terrifying. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, as much as I want to say it was, you know, it was almost became second nature. But when the gun came, then then I said, okay, time's up. You yeah. know, I, and that's when I told my parents and the kid was in juvenile home and he just got out and, you know, was trying to be tough. And But you can't live around that. No. You know, you got to go. You know. One, one of the two of you got to go. I'm glad you got out. Yeah. Well, that's finally my dad said, okay, time's up, you know, but it is what it is. How'd you do in school? How were your grades? Decent. You know, unfortunately, you know, I didn't focus as much as I probably should have because I was working two, three jobs and playing football and, and whatever else. I didn't focus as much on grades as I should have, but you know, honestly, and you know, maybe don't play this for young kids, you know, but I, I don't, uh, this is marked explicit. So I don't think they'll be listening to it. Okay, good. <laughs> not, not that I'm going to swear or anything, but the sense that I, I don't, I think that, you know, the schools nowadays are, are designed for uh, one track mind and, and there's 10 different track minds. And I was not one of the, the mainstream education uh, learning system kind of, kind of people. I don't know if that makes sense or I'm jumbling it up, but you know, I think that each kid learns differently. And if I would have gone to maybe a, a, a school to learn about running a business or sales or something a little more oriented, instead of focusing on science and history and, social studies and whatever else, you know, that's when I'm daydreaming, thinking about more jobs and more business and more sales, you know? Yeah. It takes a lot of different kinds of people and school doesn't do anything for, for that kind of drive. Right. Especially you're sitting down all day, listen, teaching the lowest common denominator in the class. It's easy exactly. to get bored. You know, at least that was, that was a challenge for me as well. Right. I wasn't quite as entrepreneurial as you were though. That's quite the Four jobs, or I guess two businesses and two jobs all at the same time. Yeah, it was. I look back, I don't know how I did it, but it was second nature then, you know. Well, yeah, it doesn't look like you slacked off. So you went right from high school doing all those businesses right into college. Did you work your way through college too? Did you have a business yeah. in college? Or? Yeah, I worked my way through college. I started a business called Stonehouse Interiors where um, I painted. I had a side painting crew that helped. Um, we did slight construction. Um, I helped with interior design. I helped with. Uh, people selling their house, what to do, what not to do. Um, helped a lot of single mothers when they would get their, their condo or their house and they didn't have the money to, to hire a designer to come in and make it their beautiful home. I would come in on a budget and help them. Um, I had a lot of contracts with condo associations that when they moved in, I was a part of their packet type of thing. Um, and then I worked in sales for Fago and Pepsi at the same time and waited tables on weekends and well, you did all this while going to college? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Why did you even go to college? Well, I, I left college because I realized it was a waste of time for me. Yeah. Um, but I I went for a few years and uh, all business-minded. And a lot of the business stuff was just, I'm like, I I know this and I don't need this. But some of the stuff I wish I would have stuck it out, you know, some of the uh, uh, finance stuff. and you I know. was thinking this. I've, I've thought financing and accounting. I'm just so dumb in that. I just have a hard time. And that would have been really useful younger, you know. Right. How to, how to budget things. And I'm not a complete moron, but I definitely could could use some some more knowledge in that, some more education. Um, but some of the stuff was just so elementary. I'm like, yeah, I was doing this at 15. You know, I'm out of here, you know, and and left and and excelled from there because I think that would have held me off, held me up. Well, yeah. I mean, how many times too would you ask a teacher, by the way, I have all my business records for the last 10 years. Would you like, <laughs> right. And the teachers never had a business in their entire life. I'm, exactly. Yeah. That's the problem I had. Like, well, send somebody who actually had a business. I'm not, 
Exactly. In some of the colleges nowadays, I think that's kind of the, the, the mindset is that they do, you know, the, the Baker and the, what's the other one on, uh, Crooks road or Livernoy road or whatever. Is that Walsh? Walsh college. Yeah. yeah. Walsh a lot of those yeah. professors, they, they are that way. Some of them making some serious money too. Yeah. Which is a good indication that they're actually getting somebody from the outside, bringing them in. Right. Like, yeah. Not somebody making 50 grand a year. A direct not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, if you want to be a business owner, you generally want to make more. That would a lot, lot more. A lot yeah. more. Yeah. You're not paying any bills or hiring anybody at 50 grand a year. No. You're not doing anything like that. So you said you started in title around 21, 22? Yep. 20, just over 20. I was almost 22. And um, like I said, I started in recording. So I worked for a title company that did all 50 states. So uh, there was a room, like a bullpit room full of cubicles. And there was uh, five women in that room. And the boss said, this, this department's completely unorganized. These women are unmotivated. If you can turn this department around and get it organized and get systems put in place within six months, I'll, get, I'll make you a supervisor and pay you X. And I thought, why would you, I have no experience in this, but okay. So I went in, turned it around, changed all the database databases, changed the systems and how things were inputted and how, how things went out on time and goal setting and uh, within six months, everything was on track and she promoted me. But those five women, you know, that are 45 to 55 years old, don't want a 21, 22 year old no. supervisor. So that's when uh, I started noticing Jeff and, you know, watching Jeff and thinking, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm, I'm not going to deal with this stuff anymore. And that's when everything changed. So you, you basically started recording, turned the department around and then said, this is not what I want to do. Right. I want to be in sales. Yep. Is that because you wanted to basically take the cap off your income and get out of the office? Like you said Absolutely. earlier. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't, I don't know if I have ADHD or, you know, whatever it is. I, I have no clue, but I definitely don't want to sit in an office all day. I don't want to sit in a factory all day. I don't want to sit behind a desk all day. I don't want to sit anywhere in one place all day because opportunity is all around us, everywhere around us. And it's not just in one little spot. It's not on a computer screen. It's not on my cell phone. It's not sitting in front of you for an hour. It's all of those places times 50, you know, so to pick one and sit in front of that all day is limiting your opportunities. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this list. Notable Networking Award, BNI Birmingham, Zoning Board of Appeals, Auburn Hills, Tax Finance Authority. You basically are everywhere all the time. How did you, at some point you said, hey, my network is my net worth. Yep. And you put together this plan that culminated in the MichiganRealtorMasterminds.com. But what did that look like in the very beginning? How did you come up with the idea? Then how did you implement it? And then how did it grow from there? Well, I think we touched on this earlier that, you know, I, my parents caught me uh, burning the candle on both ends, you know, and um, the same thing started happening with networking. I put a plan together and said, you know, I, and I teach this now. I teach balance uh, to business professionals and salespeople, especially real estate agents, mortgage loan officers, because uh, they can absolutely benefit of this. But, um, you know, I said, I, I need to join X amount of chambers of commerce. I need to be a part of my city, my community. I need to give back. Those are three big things for me. I need to join industry specific groups, you know, real estate, real estate investor, mortgage groups, and um, join a business networking type of group, a BNI, an SNG, an LBN, a, you know, something like that. So I went out and I did all that, but then you almost get addicted because you start seeing results from each one. But 
then you see the results dwindle because the more you join, the less you get. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, less time and right. Yeah. Invested in people. It's all relationship built. Yeah. So, you know, I run for city council. I get on the different boards. Um, uh, I, I get involved with five different chambers of commerce. I join two different networking groups. I, I start joining every different uh, real estate group and mortgage group and getting on committees and boards, literally all within a couple of years, all at the same time. And then you look at it and you're getting overwhelmed. You're getting anxiety and you start tracking where your business is coming from. And you're going, I'm not getting anything from this because you're, you're a ghost. You're, you know, it's like the analogy or not the analogy, but the, the imagine me just floating in this room and going, Hey guys, I'm a member. And then floating into the next room. Hey guys, I'm a member. I'm here. And then the next room, what does that really do? Uh, yeah. You got to make some deposits. Right. Yeah. So one by one, I started realizing this and then I flew out for a uh, Keller Williams uh, conference called the family reunion out in Anaheim, California. And I'm not a real estate agent, but um, I flew out there for that because it's amazing networking. And I thought, what a great opportunity. And I went there for three days. And the number one thing that I noticed when I was out there that were lacking very, very, very bad in Michigan is the top producing, top hustling agents in all of real estate in California make up reasons to get together and create relationships. They all have a relationship in one way, shape, or form. They all get together for broker opens, mixers, happy hours, charity events, functions, anything they can do to get together, they do so they can create relationships, learn from one another. And when that deal comes to fruition, that they know each other and they're, they're, you know, slapping each other on the back and, 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 uh, uh, patting each other on the ass, whatever you want to say. Oh yeah. But you know, they're, they're all working together as a, as a, as a cohesive team. And I was blown away because in Michigan, it's not like that at all. No, I thought, wait a minute, why aren't we doing this in Michigan? Everyone has tunnel vision. Everyone puts their blinders on. Everyone doesn't want to share anything with each other. Everyone's just in a bubble. And I thought, I got to bring this mentality back. I got to bring this back to Michigan. And that's when I created Michigan Realtor Masterminds. And what year was that? God, that was 08, 09, 10. What year was that? That's a good question. I think it, it might have been, I'm trying to remember myself. It might have been nine or 10. I it, can't remember. It was. And I started it and then I put it, put the brakes on. I started it in Farmington Hills and it grew pretty quick, but then I struggled to get it beyond a certain point. And I'm a vision guy. If I can't get it where I want it, then I'm not, I'm just not happy with it. And then when the market started turning around three years ago, well, some people can argue that, but when people started seeing the sunlight or the light about three years ago, I brought it back and, um, I brought it back to two different locations that were close to me. And then honestly, the greatest feeling was, Agents, real estate agents, and real estate investors going, hey, why don't you have one of these by me? Oh, okay. Maybe I should. Right. Mm. Absolutely. Since you're a potential client. So I started calling on locations, you know, restaurants with private rooms and saying, hey, can we use this room the third Thursday of every month? And we grew from, when I say we, I say as a group, but, you know, this was my my baby. But we grew from one location to seven locations now. Um, St. Clair Shores will be our Seventh location starting uh, August 4th, Wednesday, August 4th, or I'm sorry, November 4th. November yeah, 4th. That, that'll be a long time from now. Yeah. November 4th at uh, Gilbert's Lodge in St. Clair Shores. And like you said earlier in the intro, we meet in Rochester, then we meet in Chesterfield, then we meet in uh, Utica, and then we drive out to Northville, and then we uh, meet in Clarkston, 
and then Birmingham, which we're meeting this week, Clarkson and Birmingham. And then we close it out. Um, yeah. At Peabody's in Birmingham. St. Clair Shores, November 4th. And if you guys go to Michigan Realtor Masterminds.com, Michigan Realtor Masterminds.com, you can check that out if you're interested. I highly recommend it. How did you finally, because I've noticed there's been a format change too, and I've had the same problem with Renegade Detroit Investors. You start with an idea and you think it's going to work, and then you try it and it doesn't work. So then you try something else and Maybe part of it works. And uh, what, what did that look like? How did it start? And how did you get to where you're at? What does it look like now? And what, what are you offering? What do people benefit from coming? How they benefit? It's a great question. You know, all encompassing. Um, it started off exactly as I mentioned earlier, where I, I saw in California agents got together. So I put, you know, a long table together and said, okay, okay let's break bread. And that was it. And then I kind of stumbled and said, okay, uh, what do we talk about? let's talk about short sales, you know, and then everyone would talk about short sales. And then next one, uh, let's talk about, uh, first time home buyers. And, you know, it was just kind of, kind of like that. And then I started realizing that people, you know, you only have so many topics and, and, and whatnot. So I started picking it up from other groups, successful groups that I would go to and they had keynote speakers. And I wanted this to be a grandeur thing. I didn't want it just to be a, um, and no offense to any other networking groups out there, but I didn't want it to be a membership driven group. I didn't want it to be, you got to pass referrals or, or you're a chump. I didn't want it to be room dues. I didn't want any of that. I wanted this to be a volunteer base. Hey, I'm excited to go because I'm going to get something out of it. And I wasn't getting that at first. And the keynote speaker brought in it a level of education. So that was the first benefit. And what I did was at the end of every year or at the end of every year, what I do is I survey, I sent out a survey, both SurveyMonkey and I uh, put it on all the tables at every lunch. And I say, agents, what do you want to hear about? What are you struggling with? What do you want to learn about? What's new? What? Tell me what you want to hear about. So just ask. Yeah. And they give me the answer. So they, I get it all the time where they'll ask me, Keith, uh, you know, how do you come up with these topics? Where do you get these keynote speakers from? And I say, I didn't come up with a topic. You did. They say, we want to learn about this. We want to learn about finance and budgeting. We want to learn about uh, how to list our, our our properties correctly. We want to learn about drone technology. We want to learn whatever it is. And I go, okay. And I go out and I find experts in those fields. And I say, hey, do you want to come speak at seven luncheons, get in front of 20 to 25 agents each lunch? And, uh, you know, you don't have to pay me anything. You just come and you're going to have all the PR. I'll put you on all the invites, the Facebook, the website, all the email campaigns. I'll take care of you on all that stuff. I'll have handouts for you. Uh, I just need you to go and educate for 35 minutes. And you don't charge anything for this? No. My God, what a great deal. Go to MichiganRealtorMasterminds.com, folks. So you and basically, Facebook as well. you take one speaker and you blow up across all the locations. Yep. Man, that's a great idea. And then that really multiplies the effect too. I mean, you only have to find one person for seven and then people don't have to drive very far either. They can go exactly. the one they like that. I really like that idea. Caters to their location. The second benefit is uh, we match listings to buyers and buyers to listings. So I, f- I found this when I was out in there that agents get together and they say, Hey, I got this listing. Do you have any buyers? It hasn't hit the market yet. Do you know any buyers before we hit the, hit the MLS? And I thought, wow, that's powerful. So, and then I started hearing agents doing it within their offices. And I thought, what if agents could do it with other agents in other offices? A REMAX agent with a Coldwell banker, 
uh, Weikert with uh, Keller Williams, you know. So we average three to five matches per lunch now that go across the table. It could be a pocket listing. It could be a listing with a price drop that's about to happen. It could be, are they willing to take land contract? It doesn't show it on the MLS. Actually, they will. You know, those types of things. Um, and that's on the Facebook group, right? Yeah. Yeah, you show that because I, I, I watch that in their Facebook. And that's if you go to Facebook.com and then look up Michigan Realtor Masterminds, you can join that too. If that sounds like something you want to be a part of, and it probably should be, you can go look that up. We have a lot of investors that have been coming on board now. Um, one investor buys what he calls ugly houses. So homes that, you know, a typical agent would, would list and they think, Oh my God, how am I going to sell this house? It's got mold. It's got fire damage. It's outdated. They're a hoarder, whatever it is. The roof is caving in. He comes in and goes done. He buys it. He gives you the commission. And then when he's done flipping it, he calls you back as the agent. So you can sell it for him, man. That's called making friends right there. Bingo. You're going to get a Christmas card. You do that too many times. You might actually get a present too. So how long does the meeting last? What, how's it structured? What does it look like? Well, it starts from 1130 to 1155 um, is open networking. 1130 to 1150 or so is open networking where you do a meet and greet, meet the speaker, uh, talk talk amongst one another. People have been coming for a long time. So some of the same people, they get to catch up with each other. Um, and then 1155 is the official start. I call to order. Um, I make a few announcements. We go over the folders that I provide everyone with information, upcoming events, mixers, educational events, con ed, motivational speakers I bring on um, at my office or other places. And then lunch is served. Everyone pays for their own lunch. And then um, once all the, and then everyone goes around the table and says their piece. A real estate agent would typically stand up and say, I have a listing uh, for 230 in this city four bedrooms, so on and so forth, other listing, other listing. And then I have a buyer looking for, you know, a three bedroom ranch must have a finished basement for under 200, whatever it is. And we try to match them. And then uh, about 1230, the keynote speaker comes on and educates and puts on his presentation on whatever it is. And there's a no sales uh, approach. I make sure and I drill it in the head of every speaker. You will not sell to these people. You will educate if they're, if they're taken back enough, they will buy whatever you have, but you will not sell to these people. I yeah, don't sell Sell by persuasion. Yes. Yeah. I don't sell. And this is my group. I don't sell my title company. I don't sell my title insurance. They all know what I do for a living. And that's 50% of all my new business generated is through this masterminds group. Wow. 50%. And I don't sell anything. Yeah. And that's all new business. Yep. All brand new generated business. That's amazing. That's a huge number. That's 40% comes from social media, man. That is huge. Man, if you're listening to that right now, that is the power of networking. And what does that cost you, Keith? Zero. A little bit of gas in your car to get there. Well, folders, but that's about it. You can afford folders, yeah, right? Yeah, I got it, yeah. And if you had to, you probably could skip the folder and just carry it in. And right, I could, yeah. <laughs> Print out some paper. So if you're looking for an excuse not to do something, or you should go, because all you got to do is buy your lunch and check it out and see what you think about it. That's a really – so it's kind of like – a networking group, but with some teeth and some education in it too. Like, Hey, we're going to network, but we're going to get some deals done here yep. and then we're going to learn and you're going to learn. And then we're going to do some more networking. Yep. Seven different, different locations throughout Metro Detroit. Boy, that's, that's a beast. How do you organize that? How do you find the speaker? I mean, well, do you remember earlier when I said, when I find something that works, I just keep doing more of it. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing with this. What I do is, I go through at the beginning of every year. Actually, I take we take December off. 
So I spent a lot of time in December calling potential keynote speakers and lining them up throughout the month. Hey, are you going to be open in March to do seven locations? Here's here's the agenda. Here's how it works. And then, okay, March is covered. Hey, and then I call another one. Uh, based on, you know, I've been networking for 13 out of 15 years. So I've made enough connections where I can go out and find these keynote speakers, you know. And then if there's something, maybe I call and ask you, you know, hey, do you know somebody who, who would be great on educating on how a real estate agent could write a book? Oh, yeah, my buddy Todd does it, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Then I sit down with Todd and interview him, see if he's up for the up for the. You make it sound so easy, but I know from running my own group that that's a shit ton of work, and I don't have seven locations I got to fill. But you do just have to fill one, but still, I, I just know that that's a uh, – here, I'm going to adjust your mic a little bit. Thanks. Yeah. That's that's a shit ton of work, so don't don't downplay it there. You're you're I know how much work that takes. It is, but it like I said before, it all becomes natural to you. You don't think about it. You know, like we talk about social media. I do a social media class for real estate agents and they say, Oh, I don't have the time for that. I don't have the time for that. And I say, Okay. Forty percent of all my new business generated comes from social media. Yeah. And you know what twenty percent of that is? Home buyers and sellers that come to me and think I'm a realtor or a loan officer. So imagine what the face of that business would get, the real estate agent. And I do it all from my phone. I do it all from my phone. I probably do half an hour from my computer every week, literally. And it's all from my Everything phone. else is from your iPhone. Yeah. Not even an iPad, an iPhone. No, not even an iPad, which I should probably buy, but I don't. I don't need no stinking iPad. Yeah, no, no, no. I used to do this with a regular telephone. With a flip phone. In a trailer park. <laughs> I don't need no damn iPhone. And a lawnmower. <laughs> That's an amazing thing you've built up, man. I I don't know what to say to people who say they don't have time to network. Like, yeah. that, isn't that the whole point is meeting new people? And I mean, I realize we don't always have a plan, which actually we should get to before I get too far ahead. Wh- how do you define networking? And actually, let me back it up. So let's say I'm new real estate agent, insurance agent, investor, new something. I need prospects. I'm going to go to a group or I'm thinking about going to a networking group, what do you think their networking plan should look like? How should they approach it? How have you been most successful networking in new groups? Because obviously if you got 50% of your business, new business coming in from networking, you figured out how to do some things right. Well, first off, let me tell you that I started off terrible. I started off with a me, me, me mentality. I better get a deal today or I'm out of this group or I spent so much money on this group, I better make it, you know, I better triple it or whatever the idea was. And over the years, I've learned, holy smokes, I was doing it wrong, number one. Number two, the way I was doing it wrong was joining 12 different groups, thinking if I do all 12, then that means I'll get 12 times the business. The way that I finally learned how to do it right is to look at it twofold. One, you walk into the group, and this part, a lot of people cringe and think, oh, God. But the first part that I think you have to look at it is, is from a different perspective. And you have to walk in and look at those 20 people sitting around that table and think, these people are all going to benefit me, my family, my wife, my husband, my friends, everyone. And then people go, well, how is that possible? Well, the insurance guy is going to cut you a deal on, on you and everyone else's insurance policy. We just built a house a couple of years ago, and, and the guy that's in my group, he put all the blinds in and saved me $600. He showed me how he saved me $600 from Home Depot, you know, um, uh, the cleaning company, you know, they cut me a deal. Um, the painting company took care of me, took care of my family. You, you look at all the different ways that these people can help and benefit you and your family and your business, 
in that aspect, that kind of changes the mindset first off and you know foremost. But the second part in that I think most people fail at in networking and they give up too quick is you have to look at those people as your sales staff, as your sales force, your sales team. So when you're sitting at that table, at the head of the table or wherever you're sitting, you have to look at that and go, these guys are all my sales team. These guys are all my partners. Partners in success, right? Right. So it's on me to educate them and to stay on top of them as my salespeople. You can't just go to a group and say, my ask this week is for you know, a real estate agent. What's your follow-up plan with these people? These are your sales force. Do you have a, a drip campaign? Are you taking them out for coffee? Are you meeting up for happy hour? Are you calling them? Are you checking in on them? These are your salespeople. You can't just expect being in there once a week or once a month or once every other other week that these people are going to go out and do that. If you stay in front of them, give them give them little gifts, give them incentives. Say if you give me a, if you give me a closing, I'll give you a fifty dollar gift card. Whatever it is, you have twenty salespeople there that you don't have to pay. Twenty free salespeople, no benefits. You don't have to pay them health insurance. You don't have to pay them bonuses. You don't have to pay them commissions. That's the, that's what you have to understand. And on the flip side, you also have to do the same for them. Yeah. So it's all about time blocking. People don't time block anymore. You have to time block and say, I'm giving this time, whether it's every day, every week, every month, whatever it is, whatever's comfortable for you, what are you going to give to that group? So you sit there and say, okay, who do I know that's going to need this person's service? And go around the table, go around your spreadsheet of the people in your group and try to help them. Post on social media. Who can who can use an insurance quote? Who can use, you know, whatever whatever's in that group? Mm, I like it. Team members and success. Unpaid team members and success, at least until they do something, right? Well, that's, that's no cost you do up them. Yeah, and then you got to bring value too. You don't want to be yep. that guy who's always making withdrawals and never making a deposit, right? And there's that's eighty percent of yeah, yeah. I, I find that. In fact, I'm I was guilty of that a little bit in the beginning too. You you don't know what you don't know. We all fail at that yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. And then you realize, wait a second, that's a one sided relationship, and that's not going to last very long, right? That cash cow that was helping you is going to fade away. Yeah, you better give back. What a great. Man, I hope I hope people are will take that to heart because I, I made a ton of these mistakes in the beginning, especially with RDI. I had really no idea what I was doing with it. I just know I wanted a group and I wanted everybody to come to me, and that was about the extent of my plan. That's everyone's idea, yeah. Yeah, at least in the beginning. <laughs> Didn't work out too well, you know. I think, I, I think I'm on the right track now, a little bit better now. But uh, I got some questions for my own selfish gain here, and since it's my podcast, I'm going to go for it. What kind of questions do you put on the survey for um, the people who attend your group, for the members of your group? I know it's not like a membership membership, but... Talking about it at the end of the year when yeah, I start the survey? Yeah, this is near and dear to my heart because obviously I want to do better. I want to provide more. I want to help more if I can. And I just don't, don't know why I never considered this before. Well, I put the generic questions on there. What can I do to be better? Um, obviously, I ask for future keynote speakers. What do you want to learn about? Who should I find? Do you have anybody in mind? Um what are you struggling with that I can find somebody to educate you on? I've had CPAs come on, you know, to educate what to do with your taxes. I've had some pretty big names come on too, national speakers that I found that I was blown away that they would that they were willing to do it. I was humbled by, you know, I, I, wow, really? Um, I've had some local businesses come and educate, uh, but some of the stuff that I put on the survey are what can I do to be better? What do you think about the locations? Do you think I should add a location? And that's how I've picked up a couple locations is because. Um, some of the agents said, yeah, I travel 
to this one, but I, I wish there was one like in the Clarkston to Grand Blank area. That's where Andiamo's comes in the fourth Wednesday of every month. Um, that one would have never existed if, if I didn't, and that's probably my second most successful luncheon if I didn't have that on the survey. Uh, do you think I should add another location? Do you think, what should I do uh, differently? You know, just all generic type of questions, but the main one that I really want is, what do you want for a keynote speaker? You know, is there anything else I should add? Should it be longer? Should it be shorter? Those types of things. But if you make it too long, people's attention span these days, are they're gone. They'll answer yeah. three, four questions and they're done. You know, That's a good point. You use SurveyMonkey? SurveyMonkey, and then I also have printed out surveys at every lunch for, the la- for November. So as of next month, all month long, I'll have surveys at every single lunch. All seven luncheons, 20 people. 20 to 25 people per lunch and I'll ask everyone please fill it out real quick and then I'll grab it at the end of the lunch and then at in December then I compile everything. And then December that's basically hey what am I going to do for next year that's your planning yep. period you got all the survey you're you're assessing the success and failures of the previous year yep and making a plan for the new year. Exactly. What does that look like? What do you measure? Number of people who come, success, ratings, yeah. I know you take the survey, but but how do you? Because that's one thing I've struggled with is how how would I call RDI a success? What metric should I be tracking? How should I be looking at it? So I'm curious. I, I track or or measure it based on a couple different things. One, how many matches do we have per lunch? Are they going up? Are they going down? Are they staying steady? If they're staying steady, I'm happy with that. If they're going up, I'm even happier. If they're going down, what am I doing wrong? Okay. Um, I also look at attendance. You look at. Uh, and this has always been the standing joke. You look at the east side, which is uh, Chesterfield, Utica, um, all that side of town by Lake St. Clair, the water. You know, that's a bunch of boating people out there, right? So when summertime comes, all of a sudden, less and less and less people show up because a real estate agent and a mortgage loan officer, they work on their own clock. So they can do whatever they want. So I started getting frustrated the first year that I was out on that side of town. I'm thinking, what am I Where doing? Where is everybody? We went from 30, 40 people to 12. And then I went, oh, I get it. Boating. Everyone's on the water. Yeah. So then when October and November hit, all of a sudden they're all back. So I, I put two and two together. But I measure it based on, again, the matches, buyers to the listings, listings to buyers, investors, you know, matching across the table. Uh, I measure it to attendance. I measure it based on what people say in the survey. You know, we don't like this location. The service is slow, whatever it is. Um, I've I've been pretty darn successful with choosing locations. I've probably had to switch out three different locations in three years because of whatever it was. You know, they weren't up to par, and I'm I'm pretty proud of that because y- you start flipping locations all the time. It becomes confusing, and people, is, you know, yeah. I'm not going to deal with this anymore, type of thing. Um, Finding a good location, quite frankly, is difficult too. It is. I know because I've gone through so many. It's a challenging thing to do. It's not an easy thing. Uh, man. I actually had one restaurant. I'm not going to name any names, even though I would love to. <laughs> but I actually had one restaurant, bar restaurant, that had a big open area in the back that was somewhat private. And I was regularly there for a year and a half, almost two years. And the manager that was there um, was off on vacation for two weeks or something, and I didn't know that. But we were there the first Thursday of every month, religiously. And I showed up, and we were going to have um, almost, I think we had just over 50 people there that were attending the lunch. We had a great keynote speaker, and I was very, I was excited. 
you know. So you're bringing 50 sales a month regularly. Well, this normally was 40-ish. 40. And I brought, I think, 52 to this lunch. And some guy walks up to me that was an employee there. Turns out he was a manager. Says, what are you doing? I was moving tables around. He says, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to have about 50 people here for lunch. I said, I'm, I'm trying to get it set up. They're going to be here in about 20 minutes. He goes, nobody told me about this. And he was frantic and upset. He said, we're not staffed for this. And he blew his lid on me. Way to go, asshole. So th- I couldn't have switched it at that moment, obviously, because no. you got all those people on their way. But I was treated terribly. Everyone that attended was treated terribly by the staff. They wouldn't turn down the music in that area. It was brutal. So obviously that was the last. Yeah, that was uh, the last meeting there, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the next month when I switched to the new lo- location for that, that uh, area... The old manager was back, and he goes, hey, what time are you going to be in? Normally you're in by 11, you know, to set up. And I said, never going to happen again, buddy. And I told him he he was not happy. And I said, there's no way I'm dealing with that again, ever. Yeah. That was so, that was terrible. Well, yeah, one or two, two of those meetings could ruin your meetings for a year. Bingo. Yeah, you, they might go tell everybody how shitty it was and don't go hang out at Keystone House meeting. And Right, he doesn't have it run right. Yeah, and, nobody knows. They don't care. Right. It's a bad experience. That's a problem with a bad experience. They don't necessarily pin it to the right person. They well, don't give like a shit. Co- it's like a sports thing. You know, you blame it on the coach. You blame it on the quarterback or yeah. whatever. I was a coach in the quarterback, so. That's true. I was you took go responsibility down. for it. You're like, never again, right? Right. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Boy, that, that had to be uncomfortable. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, make it through that. People How- are like, Keith, I need to get my bill. Keith, they're not refilling my drink. And I go say something to the waitress, and she would just look at me and say, Fine, I'll get to it when I get to it. Oh my god! I mean, I I never. I'm bringing 52 people into your restaurant. Yeah. At 15 bucks each plus tip. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. That's incredible. Yeah. Don't do that, folks. And if you do, I think it's too late. I don't know yeah. what you do. Two hundred dollar gift card. I don't know if you could fix that. That's pretty bad. Embarrass somebody in front of their meeting and all that. Go to michiganrealtormasterminds.com michiganrealtormasterminds.com or check out the Facebook that's go to Facebook st- too extremely right? active yeah and I will put as always all this stuff in the show notes the Facebook definitely go to Facebook and look it up I'll put that in the show notes as well um, so let's talk a little bit more about title obviously your job is to drive sales into correct Franklin title and one of the ways you do it is through networking how else do you do it well there's a few different ways and and we talked about it earlier I've tried everything known to man and I've funneled it down to a few different things and I've tried the the chamber of commerce I've tried the 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 advertising the marketing I've tried sponsoring every event known to man you do golf outings you do whole none of that stuff really works you know I've sponsored major events I've walked in parades I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm just trying to tell you what didn't work. Yeah. Um, sponsored major award ceremonies and banquets and handed awards to people. And like, like I said, walked in parades and um, golf spo- golf outing sponsors and all this stuff. And it just doesn't work. You know, getting your name on a, on a, on a uh, sponsor page and, and lights, it just does not work in title insurance. And yeah, uh, I wish I could tell every other title company that, but I'm just going to let them, you know, figure that out on their own. But um so I've funneled it all down to uh, what really has worked. And like I said before, 50% of it is Michigan Real Estate Masterminds. 40% of it is social media um, marketing that I've put together. And 10% of it is from referrals and, and outside networking. 
Okay, and this is all new business, right? This all is not new. including repeat all business. Own, oh, this no, no, is no, no, just repeat, new business. Repeat is, an, is a whole other topic, but um, this is all new, new generated business, yeah. And the whole education on you can choose your own title company has really caught on. I mean, I probably do one to two a day that I get somebody on Facebook saying, my mom is buying a house, we're going to sell our house, we're going to buy a house, we're going to buy a cottage, we're going to buy... And that I, you said you could choose your own title company. Can I go through you? Oh, and do you have a realtor? So not only am I offering my title my title insurance, but now I'm, I'm giving a benefit to my clients and saying, "Hey, real estate agent, I have a referral for you." How often does that happen? You know. Well, yeah, and when you pick a title company, it's really important that you pick a good title company, and it needs to be a title company that can do what you need it to do. As a real estate investor, I've had deals die because of bad service and bad knowledge at title companies. I'm sure you have a thousand stories mm-hmm. over the years of what a bad title company can do. What, what's the worst one you heard that you were able to fix, that well, you were able to save? I got to be honest with you. I, I don't want to like pinpoint a certain story, but I can, I can kind of... Don't, you don't have to give names. Just, right. Just, yeah. yeah that would, that would I don't want bad. you creating enemies. Right. <laughs> Wake up with a knife in your back. <laughs> For a lawsuit. Um, that too. Some of the worst things that I've heard is overpromising. Um, yeah, we can do that without even looking into the file. Um, oh, that won't be a problem. And then look at, you know, and then it gets down to the nitty gritty and it comes back from examining. And there's these things on there that the sales rep or, you know, salesperson from a company told them that they could do. And then they come to me and the benefit of working with us and not to have a sales pitch, cause that's not how I am, but sell, 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 man. What do you think this is? Yeah, I guess <laughs> but we have two in-house examiners. And a lot of people don't understand what that means. Majority of title companies, when you go to them, they're a middleman. They're an agent of a, a underwriter. And what they do is they, they say, thank you for the order, and they forward it to their underwriter. Now, close your eyes and imagine you are now in an assembly line of stacks and stacks and stacks of papers of other agents at that underwriter's so-called hypothetical warehouse, Right. So what makes you any more important than, than anybody else? And then when you need a rush or you need anything else, any, you know, specific care on that file, again, you're not any more important than anyone else. What we figured out years ago was we needed to bring in an in-house examiner that is more of uh, dedicated care. Instead of just being a middleman, now we have somebody from our underwriter, you know, so to say that's there. And now we have two of them. So let's say you want to rush. I can walk upstairs or call Becky in my office or Judy and say, Hey, I need this to be a rush. And they'll have it within a couple hours or, Hey, I need to make sure that this is taken care of. Or, Hey, can you go back to 1930 on this? Or, Hey, you know, if you do that with your underwriter, they're going to go, yeah, sure, buddy. Just like, uh, all, get in line, right. Get in line. And maybe, right. We'll see. Maybe then, not too. Then, then we might charge you for it. So that, that's the benefit. Yeah. We have to pay a little extra to staff them, but the compliments on service and the repeat business make up for it. I was going to say you're more focused on service. Not that you're not providing something important, but service is important too. Right. Cause then people are blown away. I have uh, my favorite success story is, you know, again, I'm not going to name any real estate offices, but a lot of the big, big real estate offices have their own in-house title companies. And some of these agents are just getting absolutely fed up with the service and how they're being treated and turn times and extra charges and, and whatnot. Dude, I foam at the mouth. I don't know how people put up with that shit. That's what I mean. It, yeah. But the agents, some of them just don't understand. It, it, they think their broker runs their their business, and they tell them, no, you have to use this company. Well, 
my biz, biggest success is we've picked up more agents in the last six months from this one real estate company that has their own in-house than I ever have because they're just absolutely fed up. And when they start working with us, with their in-house examiners, with their family mentality, with you come first and we come early and stay late, they, they, they're beside themselves because they've been working with this in-house title company for 20 years who treats them like a number. And they stay with me. And then they tell other agents in the office, you know, I, I didn't even know they could do these kind of things and they would close anywhere, anytime. And they only charge one fee. They don't charge all these other fees. So getting in front of these people and staying in front of them has been the key. You know, when you talk about what are the different ways that you have marketed yourself and brought the business in, social media is just a monster for me, for us as a company. My next question was going to be, once you have these new customers, what do you do to keep them? How do you, I, you're, I know you're talking about a drip campaign, social mm-hmm. media, calling them, taking out the lunch. Cause keeping a customer is a lot easier than acquiring a new one, right? How do you keep your customers? Keeping the customers is, you know, the beauty of our office is it's a family based mentality. Majority of the people there out of, uh, 12, almost 12 years of being in business, there's only been three people that have left one to pursue another career because she graduated college two to leave because she's pursuing a career after college. These are very young girls and another one um, got out of the business. So that we're very proud of that. Most of the people have been there since day one um, as we, as they, they never left. Um, We hit, we started with two employees, then three then four, obviously. And they've all been there since day one and it's a family mentality. So when they call, there's a sense of ownership at our office. It's not, you know, Susan, the owner, Keith, the owner, you know, whoever the owner, they, everyone feels a sense of ownership and they take pride in it. And it's beautiful to see, they call it my file, my client, each person. And, you know, who am I to say that's no, that's mine or no, that's Tracy's or no, that's Jennifer's or Tammy. No, that's, they take ownership and they, they have such pride in each file. It's yours. If you get it done. Right. Always will be, right? Yep. And, and that's another thing is that a lot of title companies, one of the biggest things, I'm big on surveys. So let's go back to the to the roots of, of starting Franklin. Um, one of the things that I did, and, and it was it was painstaking and took some time, but one of the things that I did was I surveyed and I called 100 realtors and I called 100 loan officers and I called every title company in town. I called every realtor and I said, Hey, if I started a title company, let's say next year sometime, what would blow your mind that a title company would do an offer? And what should we charge? And what should we offer? And what should we do? And I got all their answers. And then I called every mortgage, hundred mortgage guys, mortgage gals. And I asked the same thing. And then I called a ton of title companies and I said, I'm a realtor. What would you do for me? What do you, what do you charge? What, what's your benefit? Why, why should I use you? And I compiled all those and that's where we created Franklin. Why do I feel like you did this when you were a kid at your garage sale? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, did you do the same thing where kind you're of, like, yeah. what are you looking to buy, well, Mr. Oh, China? And then you like, oh, that's right. I remember that so-and-so at the corner lot had the China that she was thinking. That's a good idea. I don't know why we don't do that more often. A lot of people just go and start a business. That's what I did. Didn't ask any questions, right? No idea what to do better, where to start, what they can do. Research is key. How long did it take you to do all that? Uh, it took a couple weeks. But that's all I did. I, I time blocked it and I said, nothing else matters. This is all I'm doing. And that's all I focused on. Literally, I came in in the morning and just called and called. And, and then when I was done at whatever time, 
four, five, six, seven, eight. Then I left and did it until I went through all my numbers. I, I wouldn't, it, it, a voicemail, I call them back, you know, that type of thing. Um, and I got all the answers I wanted. You know, I learned exactly what a real estate agent and a mortgage company wanted from a title company. And I learned what title companies were and were not offering real estate mortgage loan officers. And I, I went from there. That's a good idea. I'm giving a lot of secrets here, but yeah, I think we talked about this earlier off, <clears throat> off that. Unfortunately, I don't think it matters. Right. But that's not what we're doing this. We're doing this for the 10% who might go out and do something. Right? Correct. And good so. for them. And at least you're getting good information. And yeah, he's still around. So it's obviously working. 50% of his new business coming from this as well. That networking. I could just, I still keep thinking of you as a kid selling shit in your front yard. <laughs> now here you are uh, selling, selling title insurance. Will you fill out the survey, Mr. and Mrs. Garage Sales? I want to see what else. Uh, <laughs> what else can I go find to sell you? Yeah. So that's uh, franklintitleagency.com, franklintitleagency.com, also michiganrealtormasterminds.com. You can look that up on Facebook. All this will be in the show notes as well. So moving on to our next part of this interview is what are you currently working on? What does the future look like? What are you looking for? What do you need? What What's going on in Keith's mind? What is 2016, 17, 18 going to look like? Well, 2016 is going to be um, a record-breaking year because uh, I'm going to be married. January. Congratulations. Thank you. January 23rd. Uh, Chris and I will be getting married and uh, very excited for that. It's both our first wedding. So uh, we waited for the right person, I guess you could say. Uh, my goal is to find extreme balance, which I've struggled with most of my life. And I would say uh, Kristen truly helped me find that when I met her. She changed everything for me um, uh, two and a half years ago. When I met her, I said, you know, this is this is what it's all about. And I started working on the balance, leaving the city uh, boards, leaving the city committees, leaving the council, leaving all that stuff behind and saying what's really important and balancing out with not being involved in five chambers, but one, not being in five networking groups, but one or two, um, picking and choosing your battles. Uh, when you know you get invited to go to happy hour every single day, you go once a week instead of you know five because you think you might miss out on something type of thing. So 2016 is is really, really about uh, balance in, in life and family. And number two, it's about uh, getting more keynote speaking um, positions. My goal last year was to speak five times. And my goal uh, in 2016 is to speak eight times to be a keynote speaker. Um, I do classes on working smarter, not harder, um, talking about balance. I do social media classes. I do the five pillars of success the five basic things you need to do to, to have a, 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 a business. And a lot of people, I, I, I tell them, if one or two or three of your pillars is, is not as strong or tall as the other, imagine your business is the same way, you know. Um, so my goal is to, to speak eight times to uh, business groups, real estate groups, that, that type of thing on that topic because I'm so passionate about it. When you love what you do for a living, you want to tell everyone about it, you know. Uh, the whole thing of if if you love what you do for a living, you, you'll never work another day in your life. That's how I feel. And, you know, the whole balance thing comes in and, and it drives me up a wall when somebody asks me, you know, the, the whole small talk thing. I'm terrible at small talk. 
I'm a conversationalist. I'll go, I'll go to a bar or a coffee shop and just sit there and have a conversation with somebody for five hours. I'm great at that. But if you want to sit there and go, oh, how's work? Oh, uh, you busy? You know, I can't stand well, yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I, I suck at that too. So when, when somebody says, oh, are you busy? I go, absolutely not. They'll look at me like, what? You're slow? I go, what, 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 why would, is that success to you if I'm busy? So if I'm busy racking my brain and I have no time for my family and everything, is that, is that success to you? Overtime and all this stuff. You know, I grew up, my father was hardly ever home because he worked overtime. That's not success to me. He was successful because he provided for his family, but he didn't have the time to spend for with his family. So yeah, he could have done it better. Right. Yeah. And you want to do it better. Right. Yeah. You're going to have wife, kid. You want 2016 to be the best year of your life, right? Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Extreme balance. I, I'm not, I'm just make sure, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about. What does extreme balance actually mean and look like to you? When you, when anxiety leaves you and um, joy comes in, when you, um, I said it before, when you, when your clients are your best friends and when you can balance time uh, with your uh, loved ones, with your wife, with your kids, uh, as well as your clients and your friends, and you don't have to worry about money, you're not living paycheck to paycheck, uh, money's coming in, investments are going in, going in. Um, everything just is handled, all the stress, everything just works out perfectly, everything's an even flow, um, you have time to go to a concert if you want, you don't have to worry about, I can't cut out of work early, that type of thing, everything is just even, even keel, everything is stress-free, everything just works out, and that's how I feel you know, the last year or two, finally, I've gotten to that point where I don't worry about anything. Really? You know. Interesting. I always, I don't know, maybe, I'm just never satisfied. I always feel, I don't know, how do I describe this? Uh, an urgency, something, like something was left undone. Like, I want to get back to it as soon as humanly possible. Right. Uh, I'm, I don't oh, we all that. have that in sales. Or we all have that as business owners, or we all have that as entrepreneurs. It's hard to let go of that. You know? That will never truly go away. You'll always have a little piece of that. It's just not as bad. Right. I'm saying instead of having 80% like I used to have, it'll be like 25 <laughs> You know. <laughs> yeah, I think I need to work on that. That's something I probably need to work on. Maybe as you figure it out. What are you doing to make it? So you just cut everything back and do everything better, basically? Well, you have to take a survey. I said survey before, but you have to take a survey of your life and say what what's working, what's not working. You know, like I said before, I was in three, four, five chambers. Okay, I spent five thousand a year on this chamber advertising. And I got nothing out of it. Okay, cut that one out. I went to all these different groups and I gave and I gave and I gave and I got nothing out of it. I'm not saying join something and put your name on a roster and a year later you don't get anything out of it because you didn't do anything. I'm saying give everything you got as much as you can to this, and if you don't get anything out of it, drop it, move on. You tried. Like I said before, I've tried everything and what works, go after it. So. Once you start pulling those things away and you find those few things that kick butt, that's all you do. And then the balance starts coming in. Instead of doing 10 things that barely work, you do three things that rock and that provide you everything. And now you only have to worry about those three things. Mm. You know, and then delegation is key. I think that's a big part that people forget about. I have a hard time with this. I'm, uh, you know, I pride myself on delegation. We have an amazing staff. Each person has their own talents. Each person has their own personality. Each person has their own role. And everyone loves what they do in the office. 
Everyone takes ownership and pride. So who am I to take it away from them and try to do it myself when I'm not as good as processing, as processing as Norm, or I'm not as good as funding uh, as Kim, or you know whatever the situation is, or I'm not as good of a closer as, as Casey. You know, let them do what they're amazing at. Let me do what I'm amazing at, and it'll all cohesively come together. Yeah, I have a hard time letting go. I'm getting slightly better at it as I'm forced to, but um, that's a challenge for me. Why do you think? Control issues? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm responsible for everything, and I just want to get the ball across the line, and the idea of handing it off to somebody else feels like handing the ball off on the one-yard line. Like, fuck, I could just jump right in and just do this thing, you know? (laughs) But then you can't be everywhere all the time. You just can't. It's not possible. I don't know. The problem is definitely me, though. That's for sure, right? Maybe I'm having the problem letting yourself go. with the right people that you can delegate to. I think that has something to do with it as well. Been let down, dropped the ball. I hate to see deals die too. Oh yeah, I hate that shit. Makes me mad. It better be my fault. That's all I have to say. But yeah, that's my thing too. If a, <laughs> if a client decides to go somewhere else, which doesn't happen too often, but if it does, you know, it better be me that screwed it up. Because woe to you, you know. If I come in and I find out that somebody, for whatever reason, did it, it's much harder for me to regain it if they did it than it is with me. And I, and I want that sense of I did that, so I can take ownership of it. Yeah, if you screw something up, you're generally not going to get it back. Right. Yeah, that's done. So all the work to get them, get them in the door, keeping a lifelong client, friendship, all that. It's all gone. Yep. Usually. Not always. That's why I get pissed. That's why I think I have a hard time letting go. I know what it takes to get them in the door. Yep, exactly. And you get them in the door, and then either you drop the ball or somebody else drops the ball. That does not make me happy. Everything that got you there, you just erased, and now you get to spend that much time to make up the difference. If yep. not double. Oh, man. And it, like I said, it better be me that makes the mistake. So, yeah, I think I might need to survey my life, Keith. I might put that on the agenda. I'm not entirely sure how to do that. How does one survey one's life? Did you do this in your personal life too? What's yeah. working, what's not? Yeah. Did you ask all your friends, what do you like best about Keith? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't ask, but I, I'm a very good listener. So I, I would listen to past relationships. I would listen to friends. I would listen to family, what they're saying about me. You're doing too much of this, not enough of this. Maybe you should invest in this. Maybe you should do that. Maybe you should you know, spend more time with this person or whatever it is. And then at the end of the year, you go, okay, what am I? Am I listening to people? Am I doing it right? Am I... Am I doing what makes me happy? Am I spending, you know, like I said, you survey, uh, like I was a chairman of the board for the Boys and Girls Club for a long time. I coached basketball for 11 years and uh, mentored youth and taught art, you know, and, and did all these things. And it was it was outstanding. But then, um, and I played basketball in, in, in Auburn Hills. But then when I moved out to Chesterfield by the water, you know, that's a 40-minute drive, you know. And then you have to think, well, am I going to be able to give what I used to be able to give? And you know, so then you move your efforts out there and you really have to assess, am I giving everything that I can be giving? It's not just, am I getting everything that I can be getting? It's, am I giving everything that I can be giving? Because, yeah, am I doing my best, right? Yeah, because you, you could burn bridges all over town if you're just half-assing everything all over the place. People know, you know, oh, he doesn't really do anything. He just shows up to this group. He doesn't really, he's in this committee, but he doesn't really participate and he's late and he missed the last call. I mean, that's your reputation. You know, so once that starts happening, you got to pull the plug and funnel it down to a few things that really are near and dear to your heart. And what's making you money? You know, what's what's benefiting you and your family? What's near and dear? What's making you money? Everything else after that? Bye bye. If somebody wanted to book you for a keynote, where would they go and do that? You can email me. You could call me. 
Okay, we so we call. You can call, email, call two four eight eight nine four four seven eight five. This will be in the show notes. What's your email address? Uh, the quickest one that comes in the best format to my phone is Keith K E I T H dot Franklin Title at Yahoo dot com. Okay, and I will make sure to put that in the show notes too. I have that just, but for whatever reason, I didn't put it in here. Okay, so. Because somebody might want to do that. Who who are you looking for too for keynote speakers? Well, I got you on. Maybe somebody will be listening to this. Or do you I haven't got the surveys back yet. You haven't got the surveys no. back yet. All right. How about when you get the survey back, you let me know, and I'll post it to oh, the RDI page. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe that'll help you out. I know how much work it is to find all those people. If I, I can have. help you out. Maybe you could help me out sometime in the oh, future. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, be a good team. I got three months filled already. So based on um, spillover from this year. So you know. If, you you rank them like when I put it on the survey. What are the top five that you want to hear? What are the top five topics that you want to hear? So I take everyone's first, second, and third, and then I try to fill it, especially first and second. And then I have three that spilled over into next year, and then I'm going to fill up eight more months of that, you know, because I do it for eleven months. Speaking of which, shout out and plug. If you hear all the background noise and the sound of a large fridge freezer going we are on location at always brewing detroit my good friend amanda brewington who started this business two years ago it's on grand river in detroit between southfield and evergreen it's in the uh, rosedale park part of detroit always brewing detroit.com you can go see she's open monday through saturday lots of different hours coffee and we are on location so if you hear talking in the background and equipment. I'm trying to adjust and listen as I do this, but we are alive. We are trying to support a biz, a local business and I needed a place to do this. And she was quite nice in letting me do it. It's a great spot. Great coffee. Great spot. Always brewing Go check it out. Look at it. You will love it. All right. Now we're moving into our next section and this is where I call it, you know, success habits success strategies strategies overall i don't think success is an accident it's something we deliberately do and this includes thing books you've read podcasts websites movies youtube videos strategies whatever and one thing you mentioned earlier i get you started off with where you spoke about how you do almost everything from your smartphone what are some of the success strategies and formulas and, and things you work in your business all the time? How do you keep track of things? Well, that, that was a lot of information to, to take on to answer that question. But um, I think what you're, what you're asking is what are my systems? What, are, what do I do each day? What, what are some of the things that work for me? How, how do I drive each day type of thing? Yes. Um, well, going back to um, when I first got started, you know, of course I, called all the realtors, called all the loan officers, called all the title companies and said, you know, what do you want? What do you, what do you need? But I started going to motivational speakers, business coaches, all that. Cause I said, I don't, I, I'm a dummy. You know, I want to learn from the best. I started following successful people in the industry. I started learning what they're doing. I started asking, what does that guy do? What, how does he, you know, what, what, what does he do? That's so great. Um, and just started catering it or, or, uh, designing it to, to me you know, to my comfort level or, or to what works for me and my personality and how I run my day or my life. And of course it started real frantic because I wanted to do everything. So I did everything. And now it comes down to, you know, and, and I talk about it. And when I, when I speak about systems, 
if you don't have systems, you have nothing. You know, every Monday, um, I get in the office early. I get all my stuff, my my planning. I call it my foundation. I create the foundation for my week. Monday is my my foundation. So if you look at it like building a house, you got to have a strong foundation. So I, I consider the whole week I'm building a house. And I get in Monday early in the morning, and I, I build that house. I start the foundation, and I, I get my uh, marketing strategies all put together, my uh, folders put together for the week for the luncheons. I, I get my email campaigns out for the week. Um, I get my social media campaigns, uh, some of them uh, put together for the week, that type of thing. And then uh, I don't set any appointments till one o'clock and 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 after on Mondays. And that's always been my plan for the last you know probably eight years. Is come in early Monday, get everything prepped and ready, and then the rest of the week is a free flow. You know if you're if you're prepared. And then you have your systems put in place. So you talk about a smartphone. Um, I don't think enough people utilize text, either A, at all, or enough, or even, you know, C, the right way. Uh, I use text for reminders. I use text for check-ins because in today's world, people don't want to talk on the phone. I mean, honestly, I, I used to be able to call clients and have conversations with them and check in on them and, and how's, how's everything going? They don't, I go straight to voicemail. So everyone talk, I, I can have text conversations all day long and it means as much to them as, as a phone call did five years ago. That's interesting. I've noticed that too. I don't particularly care for text, but I'm texting a lot more than I right. used to because that's what the clients want. They want a text. They, that's what I mean. I'll call, leave a voicemail and they'll respond via text. And that's, that's pick up on the clue, Jeremy. There's your proof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people don't. Well, I think I think there's a couple different reasons that people don't want to talk on the phone. Number one, they don't want to be sold to. They feel like if I'm calling, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe they don't feel like Keith or me or whoever is going to sell to them. But I feel like that's the majority of the reason is that oh god, he's going to call and try to be a salesman. The other thing is people are busy. They don't want to. And I talked about it earlier. They don't want to have uh, what is it called small talk. You know, hey, how's everything going? It's good. You know, I got a file on my desk. I'm working on it. And they're thinking in their head, you know, and you just interrupted me, you know. But a text, they can get to whenever they want. How's everything going? Really good, you know. Um, and that's all they need. And then I'm I'm in their brain. You know, I planted that seed. Let me know if you need anything. You know, d- just checking in on that Smith file. You mentioned that you needed something on it. You know, did did uh, Adriana get that over to you? Oh, yeah, she's great. Boom. And I'm done. I don't have to do a small talk conversation to get get that across if that makes sense that is something i do like about text there's not a lot of room for bullshit and extras and, right. and all you can get right to the point yep part i'd miss about text though i, I like conversations but I might, oh i do too yeah yeah, yeah. So i like i'd rather talk to somebody than text them but it's I'll, unfortunate you know i i invite people out to i i'm maybe to a fault i'm, I'm a conversationalist to a fault you know i'll, I'll invite people out to happy hour just to have conversations with them about business and about sales and about life and how their business is running. And I just want to help, help my clients and I'll invite them out for a cocktail and, and just want to talk about their business. And I don't think half of them realize it. And the other half that do, we meet up once a week and, and grab some beers and we have conversations for two hours. And I, I love that. I cherish that, you know, cause I grow and learn from them too. Oh yeah. If you surround yourself with the right people, right? Exactly. Yep. What kind of what are your favorite apps on your smartphone? Since you go the whole week, you basically have that half a Monday where you plan out your entire week, the foundation of your week, your your sales calls, your texts, your emails, your social media campaigns, all of that. 
what are the apps that help you hold it together while you're going through the week, or your favorite apps anyway? Well, I'll be honest with you. The apps that I'm going to mention are all the staple apps and, you know, just social media apps. Hey, you never know, man. People aren't out there doing stuff, you know? True. I, I think I think a lot of people get sucked into all these CRM apps and all these sales apps and all these um, uh, uh, scheduling apps, and, and it becomes overwhelming for them. Um, I use Facebook all day long. Um, I teach a Facebook class for real estate mortgage professionals, and I teach people how to how to utilize it all day long. Um, uh, even Pinterest, I have my email apps, um, Outlook and Yahoo, and I have uh, LinkedIn. I use that all day long. I have three different Twitter accounts. I have Michigan Realtor Masterminds, Franklin Title Agency, and Keith Stonehouse. I have my groups on LinkedIn that I use. I have GroupMe, where I'm in uh, group chats with other real estate professionals and mortgage professionals where we're helping each other out all day long and and uh, giving advice, um, different things like that. And um, Messenger, you know, I have a lot of people on Facebook that message me different questions. I love Messenger. Oh, yeah, I use Messenger all day long. Um, So, you know, obviously Safari and and going online and and doing those things. But there's a new one. It's not new. I I, I take that back. But within the masterminds, we're going to teach a class, Evernote for Realtors. I love Evernote. Evernote is a powerful tool. Um, I have Joshua Schneider coming uh, November 12th, and that's at my office at 414 East Street in downtown Rochester, the third floor, which I've uh, uh, conveniently uh, turned over to Michigan Real Estate Masterminds University, call it Masterminds University. So my my whole third floor is a training area, and we teach Con Ed up there, motivational classes, Evernote for Realtors, um, things like that. Um, So that's November 12th. That's at 530. Um, It's $20. We're going to have uh, wine and, and snacks and stuff like that. So we do those kind of things. But um, when you talk about apps, I, I tried all those types of apps, and it just didn't really seem to work well for me. Um, but Evernote's a great one. Uh, and then, of course, all the staples. You, know? you are heavily invested in social media. Basically, 90% of the apps you just mentioned were social media apps. So you're yep. constantly engaging your power base all the time. All via, the time. Via email, text, social media, messenger, Twitter, just Whoever they are, Keith is right. I don't. I don't want them to forget me and let one of the competitors say, get in front of them. I want them to, whenever they think of title, whenever they think of closings, whenever they think of uh, anything of the sort, I want my name to come up first. Yeah, social media is really a, a game changer. It's an equalizer. It's like a billboard, but on your computer or on somebody's smartphone. Basically, you can be there all the time. Yep. Without selling, too, I might add. Well, that's that's one of the social media classes that I teach is called selling but not selling. Yeah. And there's a there's a beautiful way to stay in front of people all day long and you're selling your pants off, but nobody picks up on it. Nobody realizes it. And that's how I get like I said before, that's how I get, you know, forty percent of my new business generated is from social media from doing just that. Well, you're talking too about some coaches and some mentors and some different success success strategies that you've implemented. Did you learn those from a book or is there anybody you want to plug or point somebody in the right direction where they can maybe learn some of this stuff? Well, I look at, like I said before, when I, when I saw Jeff, you know, in my first title business job, title insurance job, when I saw Jeff, that kind of inspired me to be like him. He had the balance. He loved his job and he was good at what he did. And I thought, okay. So I asked what he did. And when I realized there was no openings and I left that day, but then from that point on, then I started learning from people, you know, I, I heard this years ago, and I I hold on to this near and dear. We surround ourselves with people that have what we want, that we're lacking 
something and that person has it. You know, some, somebody might have, they say whatever they want and you're, God, I wish I could just be like that, you know, or that person can just sell ketchup popsicles to a woman in a white dress, you know, (laughs) and I've never heard that one before. That's hilarious. (laughs) Ketchup popsicles. That's a salesperson, ladies and gentlemen. It's a disgusting popsicle too, but, (laughs) but my point is we surround ourselves without even realizing it. I mean, you know, for those listening, think about it for a moment, close your eyes and think about the people that you surround yourself with professionally, personally, whatever it is. And each person has something about them that you wish you had. I'm not talking about, they have a boat and you wish you had a boat, but I'm talking about a characteristic or a personality type that you wish you had success habit, success habit that you wish you accessibility, right? That's, that's even better. You want to have what they, whatever they're doing, you want to learn how to do it so you can do it. Whether it's balance, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, you know, the four hour work week, why do I have to work 90 hours and, and I make the same amount they do working 20, you know, whatever it is. So we surround ourselves with these people without even realizing why am I friends with that person? Oh, I get it because I gravitate to that person because they have something I'm lacking. And so you fill those holes with the people around you. And that's what I've done my whole life. And I learn from those people. I really listen. That's why I told you before, I meet up with people just so I can learn from them and give whatever I can to them based on, you know, like we're doing today, you know, same idea where this is what I'm talking about. This is what I love doing, sitting down, learning from one another and walking out of here and then following up with you a week or 30 days later going, what, what did you get from me? What else can I do for you? You know, that type of thing. So you also, one thing I've noticed too, is you're habitually putting feedback mechanisms in place so you can more accurately assess if what you're doing is working or not, right. Or considered valuable or not, Correct. I should say, which is working or not. Right. Cause you want to add as much value as you can. So you're constantly doing surveys, asking people, reaching out, touching your power base, staying in front of people. So heavily invested in social media, all the apps you mentioned were all social media apps. So you're just, you're all in on the social media aspect, right? right? Yeah. And that's folks go to Michigan realtor masterminds.com and or franklintitleagency.com. You could also look up uh, the Michigan Realtor Masterminds on Facebook. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it will be in the show notes. What about books? Any books? Well, the four-hour work week was a big one. Um, I it, It's kind of funny because people give me books all the time. You got to read this one. I read this one. I don't I don't know if I have the attention span to read a whole book. You Not know. all of us do. No. And... I have a whole library of books in my office, in my house, and I've probably fully read three of them. And I've, you know, (laughs) that's honesty right there to be completely honest. And all the rest I've read the cliff notes and I've said, Hey, Jeremy, what do you think I should read? That would benefit me out of this. Oh, chapter six is all you. Okay. I just, you know, it's, it's never been my thing, you know? And, but if I find something, I'll read the whole thing. If I'm sucked in, I'll read the whole thing. But a lot of the books are how to be more balanced in business, how to how to get more sales, how to um, uh, better understand your clients. Um, social media, when social media jumped on, I I said I I I feel this is the biggest thing ever, so I'm going to just jump in. Yeah, how did you learn how to your approach to social media? Did you kind of figure it out as you go, or did you have a mentor? Did you read a book? No, or a blog, I, or? it was all. I mean, not to you know, not to sound conceited, but it was all me. I didn't. I didn't go to social media classes and the ones that I did, it was already too late. I was already implementing everything they already said, but 
you know, you go back to the MySpace days. Remember that? Oh yeah, I remember all that. The flash and everyone had a you know, wet the stars and you couldn't figure. I couldn't even read the fucking page half right. the time. That's know? what I mean. The profile would come up and you couldn't even. It would start blinking out because there was so much stuff on there. They didn't make it easy to contact people, which I thought was really weird for social media too. I don't know if you remember how difficult. It oh was yeah, to it was. send a message to someone. I'm like, why is it so difficult? Like, I think it was just all a facade. I don't know. You know, I think because it was based on a music industry when it first started, and it's back there now with uh, your buddy, Justin Timberlake. But um, that was my biggest inkling was all of a sudden I started getting friends or connections or whatever they called it back then. And um, I was getting tons of business from it. I thought this is bizarre. Like this is a really new thing because you know, I I was stopping in offices every day. I would time block half a day to go to Southfield and stop in offices. The other half of the day to be in Birmingham, stopping in offices. And I wasn't really getting much out of it. You got the gatekeeper and you're not really building a relationship and whatever else. And then on social media, it hit me with, with MySpace that people are going, Hey, Keith, what do we need to do to get our first house? Or I saw you on MySpace. Um, how do we invest in real estate? And I'm going, wait a minute. I just got to stay in front of the people I already know. This is incredible. So then when Facebook came out and really jumped on and became a business platform more, that's when I said, Oh, this is, this is all me. And what I teach in my social media class is, you know, I ask two questions and this changes the whole format, changes everything for people. The first question is, does everyone you you know right now, think about it, every single person that you know right now that you come in contact with, your neighbors, your friends, uh, co-workers, um, the, the lady that you know at the coffee shop, the guy you met at the bar, does every single human being that you come in contact with know what you do for a living and are you the first one to be referred? Are you are you top of mind for every single human being that you're connected to at the moment? And usually there's, I would say out of 10 classes that I've taught this, probably two people said, absolutely I am. And the second question almost becomes irrelevant at that point. The second question is, does everyone you've ever known, ever known in your life, do they know what you do for a living and are you top of mind and first to be referred? College, former coworkers, former neighbors, uh, former relationships, friends, friends you lost contact with, um, bowling league, softball league, whatever it is, do they think, oh my, that's that's you know the guy? And if not, you're you're failing miserably. And that's where social media comes in. That's where social media is successful because that kid that you went to high school with, you weren't even friends with him, but you had that connection, and somehow you kind of are friends. So when he goes to buy his first house, second house, sell his house, invest in real estate, he's going to go to you over anyone else because, hey, honey, look, my buddy from high school is in real estate. We should use him. Yeah, people like to work with people they already know. Right. Even though you didn't really know each other, but you went to the same house. You know of them. Right. It's that funny, you know. I do it all the time. Yep. Even when I try not to do it, I will ask for a referral before I go and do a Google search. Right. I just will. Why would I not? And that's that's my point. So what I teach people is how to fill a stadium. You know, you got to imagine you're standing in the middle of the Palace of Auburn Hills and it's completely empty. And you spin around with your eyes closed and you open them up. Who do you want sitting in those seats? Who who do you want? You have a you have a message to give every day all day. Who do you want sitting in those seats listening to your message? You got a microphone but nobody's there. And you know, a lot of people think about it and go, "Well, how would I fill all those seats?" And I say, "Time." Dedication, you know, I have five thousand friends on Facebook. The the uh, max is five thousand friends. So I looked at that one. Okay, I'm going to get to the max. Who do I want sitting in those seats? 
Real estate agents, they choose a title company. Mortgage professionals, they choose a title company. Real estate investors, they choose a title company. Guess who else chooses a title company? City dignitaries, land acquisition, things like that. So I get mayors, mayor pro tem, city council. I friend request them. I get everyone that I've ever known in my entire life, and I friend request them, and I got to 5000 Now I get one to two a day people saying, I want to buy or sell, or I want to refinance, what do I do? You, you said I can choose my own title company. I need a realtor. I need a mortgage loan officer. Whatever it is, I've put myself out there for them now. You know, and that's social media is where everyone's at. Why not be there too? Well, yeah, you got you got years of it too, right? Without giving away um, everything, how would you recommend that somebody start? If somebody's just listening to this, they're like, "Wait a second, I've been doing it all wrong. I've been selling on social media instead of selling by not selling. Power of persuasion. I've been doing everything wrong." In five minutes or less, what what could you tell someone to get them started? Just get them started going down the right direction. Well, a couple a couple simple things that people need to understand is that Facebook has changed how they how they operate now. In the last couple of years, they've completely switched without you realizing that eighty four to eighty six percent of everything that you post is is not broadcasted. Facebook holds that back, and people look at me with this crazy looking face. What do you mean? And I say, well, think about four years ago when you posted something and you had one hundred and twenty likes. You don't get that anymore, do you? No, no. Well. All the kids are off of Facebook now, and that was their moneymaker. Nike spent like $40 million on social media ads or, or some, some crazy number, and they pulled it because the kids aren't on there anymore. You know, So all those advertisement dollars that they were getting are gone. So how, how do they make up the difference? Well, now you got to pay for it. It's a pay-to-play system. So now I'm only getting in front of 12 to, to 16% or whatever the number is. How do I, how do I get in front of more? Well, that's where that boost feature comes in or sponsored ads that you see. People are paying. You can pay daily, weekly, monthly, per click. Uh, There's a million different features, and I can go more into that uh, at another time, but that's the way that they're getting around it. So you have to post all day long to get an actual result. You know, and people look at me, oh, my God, I don't want to post all day long. Either, A, they say they don't have the time, and I say, well, how long does it take to post something yeah. on your phone? That sounds like seconds? an odd objection. Like you're not that fucking busy. I mean, come on, let's face it. You're not that busy. No, yeah, and you're doing shit, right? <laughs> and you know, I say post all day long, but post relevant things and make sure that people feel that you love what you do for a living and you and that you're the expert. So post, you know, like for an example, what I would post, um, like a meeting here, you know, meeting here. Uh, great to see Detroit coming back. Uh, excited to reunite with Jeremy Burgess from uh, Renegade Invest Detroit Renegade Investors. Going to do a podcast and post the picture, right? And then, wow, I, I I must look like an expert, and I love what I'm doing for a living. And You're I'm being giving, interviewed, and I'm giving you PR, and I'm talking about Detroit, which is a hot topic. Those are four great things. The fifth great thing is post a picture or a video every time. People say, well, why? Because think about what you do all day long. You're looking at your phone and your thumb is getting a workout. People's thumb, I call it a thumb stopper. What's going to make them stop? A picture or a video. Not only do you need to post a picture, even if you Google something that's on that topic. Just met with a first-time homebuyer, excited to help them with the American dream. Google American dream and add that picture in. Take a picture of the couple. People are going to stop for that. The next thing that you need to do is always think, link it to your business page that you have on Facebook. Everyone always asks, well, should I just have a business page or should I not post business on my personal page? 
and not, you know, only within five minutes of answering this, but always put that link to your business page or your website. People say, well, why? I don't want to be a salesman on my personal page. Okay, so how many times have you gone to a business page in the last year? How many times have you opened up your Facebook and said, I'm going to go to this business page? Yeah, no, you don't. No. no. The personal page is the vehicle that drives them there because they know, like, and trust you. Well, yeah, well, you're not doing biz- business with a business. You're doing business with people. Bingo. Yeah. Especially on social media. Yeah. So utilize that mentality and put the link to your page. For more information, go here. Do a call to action. Um Find out more on quotes here. Whatever you got to put, put that. Or don't even put anything. Just put the link there. That's what will drive people to your business page. Nobody's ever going to go to your business page ever without you driving them there. Yeah, they're not just going to be like, wait a second. I'm going to look up title companies on Facebook. No, not going to very small. Right. Or, but they know Keith. They go, oh, Keith, title. He said I could pick my own. Oh, look, click. Yep. And then it goes right to it. And then they see yep. other posts and other people that have... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not nominated, but uh, endorsed it and given yeah. five stars, or reviews, reviews, yeah. and then that's the only way you're going to get them there. You know, and social proof. I think we call that social, social proof, proof, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy customers, happy reviews, and that that's what's going to make people come to you. But you know, people need to get over this whole idea of you know five years ago of. I'm going to have a separate one. I'm going to post pictures of my kids and my kittens on my personal page. And on my business page, I'm going to post stats and quotes all day long. Okay, good for you on your on your business page, but nobody's coming to it or seeing it. Yeah, but I have 400 people that like it. Yeah, but they don't look at your page ever. Yeah, and only 8 to 12% are seeing it unless you're boosting the post right. or posting all day, of which most people aren't doing either one of those. I mean, you have to add this to your daily routine to post all day. Even if it's just anything, stay in front of people and... Don't ever say I'm the best or we're the best or we have the greatest rates or we're number one or I've been in the business 30 years. That all becomes white noise and annoying sales drivel. But if you educate people on what you're doing and that you love what you're doing for a living and just help somebody and all that kind of stuff, people gravitate to fun. They gravitate to success. They gravitate to uh, when people love what they do for a living. They're going to want to work with that kind of person. They're not going to want to work with Johnny Salesman. What I've loved about social media, too, is what's better than the evidence. If you're taking a picture and video every time you're doing something, every time you're busy, I mean, that, and you do it every day, right? For weeks, then months, then years, you're basically compiling an enormous amount of evidence on why somebody should do business with you, right? Exactly. And you should be talking about your personal life because people like people who like similar things, right? Like yep. we were talking about. And I have no dog in this game, but just how devastated. Uh, U of M fans were with their terrible, terrible way to lose. What a terrible way to lose, and what a great way to win, too, if you're a Michigan State University fan. Just right there at the end, the last 10 seconds of the game, and oh my God, just what a great opportunity, too. There's a guy named John Knappman. Do you know John Knappman? Knappman. No, I'm I don't. his name. He takes those memes, and then he, or he takes those pictures, and he makes them into advertising memes for his law office. Oh, that's great. There you go, John. I just gave you a plug. That was one of the things I thought was really good, a good way to use social media. But, yeah, you, you're basically compiling evidence on why somebody should do business with you, which you're doing all the time, relentlessly. Right. Which you should because, as he pointed out, only 8 to 12% are actually going to get through to your feed. Well, you also have to look at it as, you know, if people say that's annoying. I don't want to be annoying. Not everyone's seeing it. A tiny fraction of people are seeing it. So the more you do it, the more that fraction grows. You know, 12 to 18% saw it. Okay, well, if you do it times 10, what's the math? 
the other way to look at it is how many clients do you have? Right. Not, I'm not asking you, but how many clients do you have? Oh, I have 40. Okay. You have 40 clients. How many do you want to have? 80. Okay. Well, what if you're in front of 200 to 300 more people consistently? What are the odds that you're going to get 40 more clients because you're, you're next up on deck? You know, a baseball term, you're up, you know, and as soon as that competitor of yours drops the ball, starts charging a different rate, is late, whatever it is, you're next. But you're not next if they forget about you. Yeah. If you're not in front of them. That's where social media, email campaigns, text campaigns, all these things come in. But it's got to be a part of your DNA that you're doing it constantly or else you're going to get nothing out of it. Nothing. Well, I think the annoying, I think I look at it as a complaint. I don't want to be annoying. I'm like, well, you don't annoy people who like you. Right. And if you do. Don't be a douchebag, you know, like be, be likable, be agreeable. Well, that's where the surveys come in too. Yeah. If, if you think you're being annoying, send out a survey. Am I being annoying? <laughs> you know, I like this survey idea. I'm not sure how I'm going to implement it, but I will some way, somehow figure It'll out how you. to implement it. The more you think about it, the more the positive answer will come. Yeah. But survey that am I being annoying? Am I posting too much? Am I emailing too much? And if they say yes, pull back. There's your answer. If they go, no, not at all. We love it. Do more. You know, I mean, stay in front of people. They'll forget you way faster than they will ever remember you. Yeah. And it's your responsibility too, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And social media doesn't cost anything, folks. Well, you can pay for it, but. Yes. Yeah. Boost. Boost, sponsored ads, upgrade your LinkedIn, those types of things. Yeah. You you really like LinkedIn. Does LinkedIn work for you? LinkedIn works. Uh, LinkedIn is a professional, um, obviously a more professional approach. Uh, I think I get a lot more from Facebook, but I get a lot of notoriety from LinkedIn. Um, I get a higher level of professional that when I see out in the field somewhere says, I really like what you're doing on LinkedIn. And it kind of adds to the folks that are on Facebook as a professional. And then they're on LinkedIn as well. And they go, wow, this guy really gets it. I'm going to use him. Interesting. I'll have to have you back on sometime to talk more about LinkedIn. I just, for whatever reason, just never quite clicked with Terry me. Bean has a class coming up. I don't know if you know that. No. LinkedIn mastery coming up at, uh, Oakland County schools. Um, he's very well versed. I'll actually pull that up. Very well versed in LinkedIn. Hey, let's give it a plug. Yeah. Why not? Um, training five steps to networking mastery. That's, uh, this Wednesday, two days from now at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m at the executive office at Oakland County, Michigan. Um, this Will this be a repeat event too? I, I don't know. It doesn't say that, no. Well, they should go out. Just look up Terry Bean on Facebook too. Yep. Training five steps to networking mastery on LinkedIn. But he does a great job of that. Is that who you learned from? Learned a lot from? I have. Yeah. 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 Well, that's it, man. Thanks for coming out. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been awesome. So, folks... Go to franklintitleagency.com, franklintitleagency.com. If you're interested and you should be in attending some of his networking groups, go to michiganrealtormasterminds.com. Seven convenient locations, Rochester, Chesterfield, Utica, Northville, Clarkston, Birmingham, and the latest city, St. Clair Shores. He can also be reached on LinkedIn. Look up Keith Stonehouse. Hit him up on Twitter at Keith. Stonehouse, hit him up on Facebook at Keith Stonehouse, but you better be somehow related. He's his Max uh, friend, but you can go and add, look up on Facebook, Michigan, Realtor Masterminds. 
You can also call or text them at 248-894-4785-247. And I want to thank Keith for coming out today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing. And if you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and or give me some feedback. Maybe I'm not asking a question you'd like me to ask. Maybe there's somebody you'd like me to have on. I appreciate it. Reach out. Let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetup meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. If you want to follow me, hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if you prefer, you can watch this on YouTube. Hello, YouTube at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. As I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I don't know what they are for you, but I do know there's a lot of distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits. Maybe you didn't get a good start in life. Maybe you made lots of mistakes. That's okay. Stick with it. Make some goals. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's a little step. And I want to say I thank you. I appreciate you listening. I really appreciate your attention. And I'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Until then, crush it.